Alex Carell is one of over 70,000 Google Career Certificate graduates. The Google Career Certificate program completely changed the trajectory of my life. I've always been interested in computers, but I never thought I could turn this into a career. Anytime I got a little break, I just pop open the course on my phone. That allowed me to have that path into a career that I'm passionate about. Train online for in-demand jobs in IT, UX design, data analytics, project management, and more. Visit grow.google/certificates. This episode is brought to you by Simple Mobile. Tired of being tied down with a wireless contract? Switch to Simple Mobile and stay connected on a powerful nationwide 5G network. Unlimited talk, text, and data starts at $30 a month with no contracts, activation fees, or credit checks. Visit simplemobile.com today. Out with the old, in with the simple. Compatible 5G-capable device and SIM require. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. One month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at simplemobile.com. Good morning, Honey Hole Hangout Crews. <laughs> I don't know why I just kept it at the crew. Hey, you know what? It's still a crew. Crew of a couple. Uh, how you guys doing? Uh, as you guys know, this is Honey Hole Hangout. You may be wondering why I'm not hearing Landon's sweet voice right now. That nectary, smooth, buttery voice. Right, just leading me into the greatest podcast ever. Well, it's because Landon's out today. As well as Ian. So, we got uh, a little short crew for you tonight. It is uh, Zach. I am your your host tonight, followed by Cliff. Yep. And then uh, we have a guest, Cassio. Yeah, howdy. Yeah, how you doing? Doing good, man. Um, you know, kind of landed, put me in some weird situation that I just have to meet some du- two dudes, you know, in a, <laughs> in in a, a garage. garage. Yeah, in a garage. And uh, he's There's like, a, everything's going to be fine. They'll give you booze. And uh, yeah, that's, here I am. Hopefully we did the job right. <laughs> just look for the van that says ice cream on the side. Yeah, yeah free <laughs> exactly. candy. That's right. Go into the garage with the, you know, the animal lift in the middle of it. So, yeah. Pretty oh, easy to spot. <laughs> I got a good hitchhiking story about someone uh, <laughs> processing a deer. Oh, <laughs> man. Let's go into that real yeah. quick. <laughs> um, you know, so I, uh, I I do a really bad job of uh, making myself believe that I'm going to cover enough ground on the river that I think I'm going to cover. So I often, you know, finish out in dark time and, you know, not not with just like with my buddies and stuff like that. We always fish new water. But actually on the Guadalupe, just fishing for trout, we like, Try to like fish a little more than we thought we would. It started raining on us pretty hard and, you know, took breaks and things like that. It started getting dark and we're like, and this is like a couple of years ago when we had that really high water. Um, so it wasn't like, I don't want to do this at dark. So we stopped and I was like, you know, we'll just hitchhike. You know, someone will give us a ride back to my truck. And uh, it started getting dark. A couple of cars passed. I'm like, man, I'm not getting picked up. So then here I am like in, you know, in rain gear. So I got this dark hood on and you know my brother's my buddy's got a dark hood on carrying he, an axe you know he's, he's got a, he's got a net you know he's got like his net with them and uh, fishing poles so like it just looks weird and it's rainy and it's dark and here we are trying to hitchhike like i wouldn't have picked us up you know yeah. like and here comes this like truck just like rumbling like, blah, 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 like barely running you know it's like a windows like you know like it was like a ford explorer but like one of the first ones like those square ones uh-huh. you know and uh this guy's like, hey, you know, and uh, it's like, oh, we just need, you know, we just need a ride, you know, back to, you know, I'm, 
boat's here, it's, you know, ride, and, you know, my buddy was like, okay, I'll stay, you go, you know, and then as soon as I got my truck, I was like, man, he just screwed me over, like, why, why did I get volunteered for this, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, it kind of, you know, I just figured, like, you know, he's probably going to be fine, I'm usually the person that's going to get killed in a, in a horror movie, you know, like, <laughs> And so I get in the, this guy's truck, and he's like, oh, y'all fishing? I was like, yeah, you know, it's a pretty good day, you know? And I kind of, like, peep back, and s- seats are folded down. There's a tarp. There's <laughs> blood all over it. There's, and then there's, like, just tools like, sticking out of it. Um, and I think he kind of noticed that I was, like, I looked, but, like, didn't say anything. And, you know, I'm sure he, in his head he's thinking, like, this guy. a big deal this guy thinks I'm, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. And so like, and I'm going, this guy's going to kill me. <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, I, 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 I just processed the deer couple, you know, and, and, you know, and I think here's a beauty of Instagram. He's, you know, he quickly pulled up his phone and he's yeah. like, yeah, here's my, uh, and it's just like hunting photos. Uh-huh. And like, I'm like, it's okay. like oh, thank God you're one of me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, or you're like the social media serial killer. That's right. how you get. I was like, Oh, they're into hunting. So I'm going to put a, <laughs> yeah. Like that's their MO, their target audience. But, yeah, they hit the fishing and hunting spots. Right. Yeah, but uh, yeah. By the way, now uh, there's enough service. So if you're floating to Guadalupe, you can get like an Uber really? from New Braunfels. You know, they'll usually come pick you up. So if you're shuttling around New Braunfels area, the Uber uh, has expanded. So it makes the uh, shuttling a little easier. That's pretty nice. Do you yeah. get the Uber Select or the XL at that point? Um, you know, definitely, you know, what's, you know, is it Select the nice ones? No, I think that's XL. the XL is the nice. XL is a nice one, XL is a nice one. Yeah, it's yeah. a guaranteed, like, you don't have to sit in the front with them. Oh, nice. And you get to choose, like, no conversation. <laughs> that's a, that's a weird thing. <laughs> I always feel weird when I got into Ubers. It's like, I don't know, like, what to talk about. You're just taking me to the airport. Yeah, like, right. let's keep this professional. Yeah. We always end up talking. Yeah, I always yeah. do, too, but it's always awkward. Yeah, I'm sure they have a script. Hey, where are you headed? You know, like, yeah. Yeah. going to the airport, right? So it's like, <laughs> yeah. You're prompting questions yeah. as you get into the Uber. Oh, I, I, I just like going to the airport. They should, like, uh, the <laughs> they should expand it instead of just, like, yes or no to conversations where you can choose a topic, uh-huh. you know? And just, like, maybe there's, like, a, like a wild card button that you press, Ooh. and it's, like... You yeah, know. it like shuffles a deck of conversation yeah. cards. Yeah, or they have to have like LED lights, and as they ask you a yes or no question, like you push a green or a red button, and that way you don't have to talk. Oh yeah, yeah. You're just like yes, like like a, a game show. Yeah, exactly. There was like a tax cab. Yeah, yeah, cash cab. <laughs> there you go. That was great. Yeah, unless you're trying to get somewhere fast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta oh, go to man. court, man. <laughs> yeah, they only drive you a block. <laughs> I don't expect to be that bad at this. Oh man. Uh, well, we're glad you're here. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, and you probably don't, uh, Cassio is a fishing guide, right? Yeah. In your, in your transition to be a full-time guide. Yeah. So we're going to talk to him a little bit later on about um, how that transition is going to work and, and kind of things to look out for and, and stuff like that. So uh, that being said, uh, no new whiskey tonight, but uh, we're drinking some good stuff. We just had a pour of Blanton's. Uh, you said you don't, you're not sure if you ever had it. What'd you think? Do you no, like I don't it? think I had it. It's really good. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, yeah, it's good. It's got a little like sweet note at the end of it. And, you know, I think it was one of our highest rated ones. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of my favorite ones that we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a good whiskey all around. Yeah. Now, do you think it's good for you because it's hard to find or do you think it's good for you because it's actually good? No, I actually like Blanton's. Yeah, what I was think- that other one that everyone was like? All up in arms over trying to get. Was it one of the 
the stag, George T. George T. Stag. Yeah, I don't think I liked one of those. Yeah, one of the ones. Um, oh no, we've had one that I was definitely like, this is not worth yeah, the hype. Yeah, Whistle Pig was was that for me, but that was also a rye. So, Whistle Pig was the three set that we had. Uh huh. Of the rye, and the one that was aged in a Cabernet barrel that was like. Yeah, the twelve-year-old in the cab. Yeah, was no good. Yeah, it was weird. It was um, a, a rye that they had aged in a cab barrel, and it was just. And so you just picked up those cab notes. Like, yeah, it, it was but it, like it, it went like almost sour. Like yeah, it was pretty bad. It it was weird. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so what do you normally drink? Um, I, I I like a lot of beer, man. I you know so my girlfriend worked at uh at Freetail Brewery for like probably the last. You know, she hasn't done it for maybe like the last uh, year or so, but she yeah. worked there for a good while. And so, yeah, I was hanging out in, in, in breweries quite a bit, and I've always liked craft beer, so I drink a lot of beer. I do like, you know, I, I do like some scotches, and, I, you know, I do drink, uh, you know, I, I, I like old fashions, so I get bullet rye, and I just, I try not to buy it often because I'll, I'll go just through go a through bottle it. of that quite yeah. a bit if I'm mixing it. So are you out of San Antonio or Austin? No, I live in San Antonio. Yeah, I don't okay. know why I, I assumed you were Austin. Austin. Yeah, because yeah. everyone lives in Austin, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. No, yeah. I think it was because you're all water, and I know uh, – Alvin's from up there, so yeah. I just figured that's that's where all his that's guys are. Or my it, mine went. And then you said Freetown. I'm like, man, I just Freetown. Oh, yeah, San Antonio. Yeah, I just assumed, man. No, yeah. There's a few. I mean, a lot of people over there. A lot of the team is based out of Austin, um, and then obviously he's got a lot of the coast. You know, some some guys that that just work down through the coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, there's a few that live in you know uh, you know through San Marcos area and things like that. And I'm in San Antonio, um, but it's funny because it's like you know most of the water. Other than fishing, like the Colorado River, that, that's like in right. Austin. Um, but pretty much like a lot of the other water that I'm fishing, you know, from Austin to or from San Antonio, the drive's like pretty similar. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like in the middle or going kind of west or whatever. Um, so it's you know, it's been like pretty similar to it. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper. Yeah. A lot cheaper living uh, in San Antonio. Yeah. I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't live in Austin. It's yeah. not a drive in me. Yeah. No. You got to talk to Ian about that. I'll, I'll go up there. I'll visit Ian. I'll go to where I need to go, and then I'll come on back down here. Yeah. I like South Texas. Yeah, it's just too expensive for me. I yeah. Don't think, I don't think I want to put up with that. And the traffic. I I don't know. I'm weird about traffic. I just. Yeah, I hate traffic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess it's, I don't know anybody who likes it, but. Yeah. I absolutely love traffic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to leave at five. about me. <laughs> Till the five, be tired from working all day and sit in my car for an hour. Woo! I get coworkers that commute pretty far, and they're always like, "Oh, it's like my me time." And it's like, no, nah, I want to be home. <laughs> like, yeah, my me time. Like I work, I work. Uh, I live like ten minutes from like my day job. I think I could consider a long commute my me time if it was just driving, but stopping and going on sixteen oh four is not my me time. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's horrible. That's my angry time. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You know, when my previous job, when I was you know driving around all across the city all day long, that was nice, you know. But like you weren't st- stuck in traffic; you were actually moving, you know, listening to podcasts and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so we do have a few questions for tonight. Uh, so the first one, uh, they're asking, "How did you become a guide?" But uh, yeah, we can go ahead and do that one. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, I was actually guide. curious about like these questions that you might get. I wasn't sure. You know how this would go about, and who you know, what kind of people are, you know, are uh, the H holes? Are y'all still calling them the, the H holes? <laughs> uh, we know we haven't got any negative reviews about that, so no, we're, we haven't. I figured I'd try to. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna keep with H holes. You know, I feel like 
you know, <laughs> see if I, I can bring I just, that back. I just figured let it mellow out because I've called them H-holes the past two podcasts. Uh-huh. Throttle it back and then bring it back full yeah. force. Like right. you don't want to go full bore all the time. Yeah, you, you just got to refer it in like a positive nature. Right. Yeah. Don't want to go full. Hole. Yeah. 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 No. You never want to go full hole. <laughs> yeah. When they're doing something good, they're then, you know, they're H holes. They're, 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 they're yeah. holes. <laughs> but yeah, I was curious about these questions. Um, how do we come to kite? You know, so um, you know, the interesting thing is I always kind of think about the fact that I really like to teach. You know, so that's like kind of really the biggest thing because you know pretty much whatever I've always been to, I've always somehow also taught into it. Right. So, um, you know, actually I used to work at the lifetime fitness right here, like through high school and college, I was a rock climbing instructor. I was doing a lot of rock climbing before, uh, I hurt my back and had back surgery and started fly fishing instead. Um, you know, but I used to climb a lot, but I used to work at the gym and teach people, you know, so I've always been into like, whatever I'm into, if I think it's awesome, I want to share it with other people. Um, so, I've always liked, you know, the adventure aspect, you know, to fishing. And I like floating rivers and, and, and you know, I, I like boats. I've, I, I grew up on, you know, on, on an island. So was, I was always on boats and right. I like covering water. That's like, even if I'm waiting, if I'm going up west or something, I like covering water. Pretty much I, I got into a, a full-size raft. Like I saw that these guys had one. I'm like, okay, that's what I need to get around. So I got into a full-size raft, and I started rafting, and obviously I got two seats, you know. So it's always, like, inviting people, inviting yeah. friends, and fishing with my girlfriend a lot. And, uh, you know, and she's always been, like, kind of my, my, my first and probably toughest client, you know. But <laughs> yeah. she's, she can fish pretty hard. <clears throat> so uh, did you teach her how to fish? Yeah, yeah. So I taught her. Yeah, she's never really fished before, yeah, yeah. regardless. And then she's pretty much gone on every fishing trip I've gone into. Yeah. So uh, does she fly fish or conventional? No, no, she fly fishes, man. Yeah. And uh, she's, you know, she, she does it pretty often, pretty much any time we go on trips. And, yeah. you know, she gets them. And we went to Pyramid Lake, and she caught two fish over 10 pounds, man, over like two trout over 30 inches and 10 pounds on yeah. two-handed rods. Oh, man. You know, skagit casting. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, she can fish, man. Um, same thing that you were talking about. She likes catching big fish. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. she kind of gets bored and, like, frustrated if it's, like, slow or they're, like, little whatever. Yeah. Which is cool. You know, that's it, like, it is, yeah. It's yeah. easy to talk her into fun trips. For sure. Yeah, that's the best part about having a wife that, like, loves yeah. to fly Yeah, fish, yeah, for yeah. sure. She's down. She likes to adventure. Uh, but, yeah, so I got the, the boat, and I just started kind of sharing my time on the water, and I just really enjoyed the, the problem-solving aspect of fishing, you know, Probably as don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna be those people like, well, oh man, I seen someone catch a fish, you know. See, no, I mean I like catching fish, you right, know? right, right. Don't get me wrong, but I really enjoyed the figuring them out, fooling them, figuring out what's working for that day. So if that means I can do all that and let someone else catch it, like to me that like it's just as enjoyable. Like I'm truly like I figured it out and that's really fun. Or even if I'm fishing with someone that knows how to fish, like working together right. to make that happen. Um, so probably about two years ago, I started kind of, you know, friends of friends and just booking little trips on my own, but I was never like, I'm not really guiding. Even people ask on the river. I'm like, nah, I'm not guiding. Um, just cause I have a lot of respect for what those dudes do, man. Right. Like I have a lot of respect for, you know, all the guys that are working really hard in this area. Cause it's not a huge market. Um, we also are so dictated by the droughts and the rain, so it's, it's, it's tough, you know, it can get pretty tough and there's a lot of dudes like making a living off of it. Yeah, so like, sure. you know, I have a lot of respect for those dudes and to not step on any toes. So I kind of like 
you know, in a way, just try to like wait for the right opportunity. And, um, close to a year ago, you know, um, you know, started fishing, um, you know, going and fishing with, you know, a buddy Bonner and going out with Lene and Alvin and kind of, um, letting them kind of get to know me and stuff like that. And when an opportunity came up where they were getting busier and had some guides that weren't, you know, coming down and stuff like that, an opportunity to start working with them and they're awesome. You know, they're, they're phenomenal. They run a great business. Um, and they're just stewardess, you know, to everything, fishing and wildlife in, in Texas. So that's a, you know, it was just like, couldn't have asked for a better opportunity to kind of get started and learn from, yeah. you know, so it's just been, you know, just, I always say it's like, you know, there's no luck. There's just kind of like preparation meeting opportunity, you know, so I just try to fish hard and, and just take people that never gone, take yeah. friends that have never gone and just really learn how to teach people, um, how to fish. Cause I, I can go and catch fish, but like, right. Put a fly rod in someone that's never fished before, you know? Yeah. Just work hard and enjoy, do what you're enjoying. Yeah. But <clears throat> You know, the other stuff kind of comes along the way. Yeah, for sure. So it's kind of worked out to where, you know, opportunity uh, came and I was kind of ready to take it, man. So it's been really good. And I've been, you know, it's be like a year this fall that I've been with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So how many, uh, how many days uh, a week, a month are you fishing? Oh, man. So I, uh, I, I still work full time as a, as a high school teacher mm-hmm. and teach uh, social studies, U.S. history yeah. for like juniors and seniors on the south side of San Antonio. Um, so I work full time, man, and I've been a teacher for about seven years. And so guiding pretty much um, every Saturday and Sunday that, that I can get booked, you yeah. know, and so working seven day weeks, you know, and if, you know, if you know anyone that teaches, like it's already a pretty demanding job. Yeah, you know? I'm saying that's, yeah, you're probably so, wiping. Yeah, no man. Rest. So, yeah, I'm kind of getting burnt out, but uh, summer's coming up. Yeah. Um, this, this will be my last year teaching, you know? And so, uh, just kind of combinations of like ready to be done with that and do something else. Um, and just try something new and the combination of getting this opportunity where like, okay, cool. Like maybe I can transition to this and, um, and guide full time, you know, after the summer. What is that transition looking like for you? As far as going from a, a job that is, Reliable, reliable, for lack of a better term, reliable, but offers you full benefits such as health insurance and other benefits going to a guiding career, which is notorious for not necessarily, I don't know how Alvin treats you guys. I mean, he seems like a great guy. I'm not going to speak ill of him, but normally guides don't have like health insurance plans through their outfitter. Is that something that you're kind of nervous about or how are you going to reconcile that or is it just not an issue for you right now? No, I mean, obviously it's like, uh, you know, I think if I was like young and dumb and like not thinking about those things, this transition will probably be a lot easier and yeah. not as nerve wracking. But like, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm 32, yeah, 89, 32. You get to that age <laughs> where you kind of start thinking yeah. about it, right? So I'm 32 and, um, you know, and I've, and yeah, I've had this career this whole time and it's been good. And you start thinking about retirement. Okay. I just got to work this many years and <laughs> you start like, you know, thinking about all those things. And then here's this other plan. And it's almost like this thing where like, oh man, this is what you wanted to do. Like, you know, when you were like 21, 22, uh-huh. you know, and it's like, that's when you should have done it. Not now. Um, 
But honestly, I also think that I'm able to go about it way more meticulous about those kinds of details where I probably wouldn't have thought about it when I was younger, which might have led to it not working out and then me having to like not do it for very long and then find another career, whatever. But I think now it's like, you know, so I've been, you know, guiding and thinking about this for about this two years. And in that two years time period, just thinking about, okay, how am I going to make it work? Um, the number one thing was just cost of living. Yeah. And so just, you know, so I was a teacher. I became an assistant principal. Now I'm back to teaching. And so during that time of being assistant principal, I pretty much treated that extra salary like I wasn't earning it. I just kept thinking like, this is my teacher salary and just paid off debt. Yeah. Um, you know, just paid off everything, paid off my student loan, my truck, whatever. Um, so I think I got like a couple last little payments on my last student loan. I'm debt free. Yeah. Hopefully by the end of this, this school year. So that was a that was a huge thing um, to just know, like, I won't have these these bills. That was the number one thing. And then was saving. You know, I think like I've been okay with like not having enough of a buffer, you know, where like I think in this kind of type of job where where, honestly, it's like a you know, we're like independent contractors. So really, this goes for anyone that's going to be independent contractor. Right. right? right. The idea of like, okay, your, your checks aren't guaranteed. So now whatever. Before you're like, ah, whatever, like I can dip into my savings, whatever. I'm getting another paycheck on the 15th, right. you know, since it's not guaranteed, just having that's a little bit more slack in that savings right. and planning that out. And then as far as health insurance, you know, the good thing is I don't wear glasses, right. you know, that already kind of saves me some money there and always has. Um, and then as far as health wise, you know, it's, it's been pretty minimal. I had back surgery and I dealt with a lot of that. So I do PT stuff for my back, but that's still pretty minimal. Um, but you know, my girlfriend has been an artist and now she's, uh, just got her license to, uh, do art, but as a, as a nail tech, you know, uh-huh. she's excited. So she's actually been doing the self-employed thing, um, uh, for the, probably the last year and it's done really well about getting her insurance to yeah. like the healthcare marketplace. Right. And, uh, so it's, it's been pretty affordable on her end. And the plans have been really good as far as like treating, getting her what she needs. So especially if you don't need it that often. Too. And I don't need yeah. it very often. Yeah. yeah. So I think I'm going to be okay on that. I mean, where I'm wondering is uh, going to be, you know, we stay, you know, fishing's good in Texas, you know, in the fall, winter, spring, summer slows down a little bit, gets really hot. People go on vacation, they go to other places. Um, a lot of guides here in Texas, they try to figure out a summer gig. Um, go so work, like they go like go north, work, okay. go work out west. Yeah, go yeah, work yeah. in Montana or go work in Colorado, Colorado, New Mexico for those kind of summer months. Yeah, I didn't. I never really thought about that because we don't really have a huge. I mean, like we get some tourism, obviously, but it's yeah. not like people don't come to San Antonio and Austin to to, to go fishing. To go fishing. Yeah, like yeah. it's not a destination. Spot. Right. They're not yeah. like, oh, I got to make sure I get my guide when I go to. San yeah, Antonio, yeah, for sure. You know, and you're not gonna want to do like unless a, they're coming here for some other reason. And fish. right, right. Yeah. And, you know, people don't want to do a full-day trip in 105-degree weather. No, yeah, they're, you're done by 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, you know, like, we, we typically are going to try to, you know, book people on trips that they're going to be happy and comfortable. So right. we'll encourage, like, when on a really hot day to do a half day or three yeah, quarter or whatever, sure. you know. Or start really early, you know, just, you know, start at sunup, you know. Yeah. Like, um, so thinking about summer, next summer is when I'm going to have to, like, see where I'm at financially and try to figure out, do I need to go work out West yeah. 
or can I kind of just have that time off like I did when I was a teacher and like live off some savings? Um, but honestly, you know, not to sound cliche, it's one of those things where it's like, I got to try, you know, yeah, like, for here's sure. I, and I, under, I understand that argument. Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, I was actually teaching my kids about entrepreneurship today. Mm-hmm. And so we watched like an Elon Musk um, kind of little like question, you know, thing that he did. And I've actually heard the same thing. Jim Carrey on a speech, like a uh, college speech, says the same thing where it's like your, your opportunities to fail are equal, whether you're doing something you love or you're doing something that you don't love. And don't get me wrong. I love teaching. Right. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, but the, the idea of like having a career working outside has like always been my dream. Right, right, right. You know, and then. I worked, I've been camp counselor, rock climbing instructor. So I've always, I just always wanted to teach outside. So here's this opportunity. So the opportunity of failing, whether you're doing something you love and whether you're doing, it's, it's the same. So you might as well take the chance of like trying to go do something you really want to do, right. you know? So yeah, there's some anxieties as far as like, you know, some, yeah. you know, financial, you know, we were thinking about buying a house and now we're like trying to figure out, should we look into buying a house? Right. And then if we don't buy a house now, then next year my income's, you know, I might have to like have to claim a bunch of taxes and pay a bunch of taxes. You know, right. so then we get into this whole thing where before it's like, Oh, I got a steady job and like yep. good credit would be fine. So yeah, just, and you know, I got a, I got a great lady and you know, she's uh, supportive of it. And we've even talked about like, maybe doing the RV thing. So we yeah. can do like seasonally we'll be here during the winter, right? Go out Cuts West cost, but also you can travel around where yeah, you need to yeah, get. And just move. And, uh, but you know, I'm hoping that if I can kind of hang out in Texas, man, and make it work here. I think it's one of those things where like, I'm very proud to see what's happening with the outdoor scene in Texas and, and fly fishing in Texas. And I would just love to like see, you know, be part of that continuous growth. There's already been, there's already been people that have been putting their time and making it happen down here. Um, but just like, you know, talking to Landon, that whole idea of an Orvis store being in San Antonio. Yeah. You know, that's wild, you know, like that's, you know, that I, I would never ex- have expected that. No, you yeah, so you grew up here in San yeah. Antonio. I did too. <clears throat> yeah. I would never 15 years ago. Yeah. Never assumed anything like that would yeah. be here. I think 15 years ago, I mean, I even know what fly fishing was. <laughs> I, mean, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you thought, I thought it was, to be honest, I thought it was like the fish jumped out of the water and grabbed the fly in the air. Yeah. That's what I really thought it was. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't grow up with this. So to yeah. me, I, I just kind of saw it in like, you know, kind of old movies and, you know, magazines. It was the and, old and, guy with the vest. Yeah, 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 yeah. It seemed really cool. And I liked the mountains. And I was like, man, that's so cool. I but, thought you had to have the vest. Like, that was it. Like, I, yeah, that like was, the rod was attached to the vest. And that's how you did it. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> A hat would like you, know, you had to have little, the little flies on little it. bucket hat. You had yeah. to have a basket. Yeah, yeah. the creel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I it's funny because on trips, uh, I get asked a lot by cl- you know by clients going, "Hey, I just always wonder like, what's that like basket that you always see?" And, and like, because no one you know uses that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and like, what a creel is. And the funny thing about it is actually it's a really cool little thing because if you you get it wet in a mountain stream, that straw. And the water, the air going through it creates almost like a little air conditioning. So uh-huh. it keeps the fish somewhat fresh. Right. So like, you know, it's like this little old school, little like little cooler. swamp cooler, yeah, you know? And yeah. like, so I get to explain that to people all the time because that's a weird question that constantly people have. Yeah. Like, we should just keep sandwiches in it now. Yeah. That way when they I ask, you'd be like, it's my sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> I should sell them. I should just buy a bunch and just have them. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I, I sell them, you know? Yeah. Like, Whoa, it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> they're, they're Everybody handy. needs one. They're handmade. 
Handmade here in San Antonio. Why does it say made in China? Yeah. Don't worry about that. I feel like every Creole at this point probably has been sold to some uh, decorating person for some horrible, uh, like, restaurant decor somewhere. Oh, yeah. They're all at Cracker yeah. Barrel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just along the walls. That's, uh, yeah. Every yeah. single one of them is there and, Like, now. skis, like old wooden skis yeah. and stuff in Texas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. And that, that gets into the whole thing about like what gets uh, portrayed as fly fishing, right? Because like with uh, with all water guides, man, they're all you know they're about the bass fishing, you yeah, know. Like yeah. I mean, you know, Alvin and Lene and the you know the the Colorado River there. I mean, they really kind of put a name in, in in that fishing, you know, in that fishery. And but it's it's constantly, man, where we do trout trips and right. we talk about bass fishing, you know, and then people yeah. are like, oh, you can catch you can catch bass on the fly too. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird that people live in Texas, you know, their whole lives and, uh, you know, go bass fishing. Right, they'll throw spin gear all day. Yeah, yeah. And those same people might go up to Colorado on vacation and go fly fishing right. for trout. But then they come back home and, and, like, still think they're like, oh, like. I can only do. Yeah, you can only do that for here. trout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I always thought was really weird. And uh, it's like, yeah, man, if, they, if they'll eat it. <laughs> right. <laughs> we right. fish for them. Yeah, it's fine either way. Uh, I was going to ask you, so you brought up that you grew up on an island. Do you mind talking about that, what that was like, where it was? and Yeah, I mean, I'm from uh, the very northeast of Brazil, so it's, it's like... Not uh, the Snake Island, though. Not the Snake Island, yeah. It's really funny, man, because like... Uh, <laughs> snake Island. No, I, it's a real place. No, like, I know, right it's like they have of, like snakes yeah. all over yeah, the place. Yeah, yeah. Dude, Brazil, it's funny because like what ends up... I feel like all these crazy videos on the internet, like 90% are from Brazil. Uh-huh. Like, And that includes like people of like drunk people doing stuff uh-huh. like like any viral video that's like really bad like like quality uh-huh. is probably in brazil <laughs> like um but yeah it's like this uh you know there, there wasn't a lot of snakes but uh it was the very northeast of brazil the city um the big city that's on the mainland is called salvador like mm-hmm. el salvador but just salvador in the state of bahia so it's a very northeast of brazil it's one of the oldest parts of brazil and um, it's got a ton of culture because that's like the tip that sticks out in South America. When you're thinking about the map, that's like the easternmost tip. Mm-hmm. So that's like the shortest route, you know. So right. that became the port to South America. Um, and so there's just such a blend of cultures there. And then off the coast of Salvador, you take like an hour ferry boat ride um, to get to this island that has a few little like, I would say villages, but I feel like I say villages and now people think I'm wearing a line cloth or something, right, you know, right. but it's yeah, like, they th- they're thinking you grew up in like some hut. Yeah. 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 No but wall. it's, I mean, technically a village smaller than a town. So it's like, um, you know, a few hundred people type thing, right, you know, right, there's right. a little town center. I mean, it's kind of like equivalent to going up to like, you know, dripping Springs or something, you know, or, you know, Fredericksburg. Yeah, or something. A couple hundred people live there. Yeah. And there's right, little- it's a lot smaller than Fred. So there's like these little tiny little towns within the Island, maybe like five of them. Yeah. Um, but it's still pretty small and, um, that'd be like a township, a township. <laughs> no what's the, what's the definition of a township versus a town under 500? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure up. if I mentioned I teach social studies. So now I feel like these are the <laughs> things that, that <laughs> I were, should know. They were, we're sending these your way. <laughs> I, I, I never like to teach geography. I never like freshmen. So I skipped that geography stuff. <laughs> and I just taught you as history. But, uh, yeah, it was really small. And so the only reason that we live there full time, because most people kind of either vacation there and there's obviously the locals, you know, that kind of live there, mm-hmm. um, either being fishermen or owning a bar or running a little store or something. But my dad worked offshore oil rigs. Oh, okay. Yeah. He did that like from the time he was like 
18, 19, and he like retired at like 42. So he like, you know, but he's still put in like 25 years yeah. working offshore oil rigs. But he gets like helicoptered out. And so he like go work for 10 days and then have like 20 days off. Because mm-hmm. while he's there, he's working like 12 hour shifts. Right. Um, so then my dad didn't have to commute. He just had to go to the city once, get flight out. And then so we got to like live on the island. All my rest of my family lived like in the city. Mm-hmm. So like we grew up like coming home from school. And uh, so school in Brazil is like half day because there's no like extracurricular. So you're just, you're done by like 11 o'clock. You just do your core stuff. Yeah, just it. core stuff. Yeah. So you just come home at 11 o'clock and then like literally like my mom would like, like, you know, they would just take our backpack and have our, take our shirts off. And we we're reading like wearing like little shorts underneath mm-hmm. and like we'll just run to the beach and we live like, we weren't like on the beach. I think there's like one street of houses and then we're on the beach. Um, and so pretty much like every day they're like, go play and like take a little cane pole or mm-hmm. like a little spear and like, you know, go fishing, like spear some fish. I was fish. about to say, don't you wish you were probably fishing then? Oh, I was, dude. I grew up. I mean, my dad was like diehard spear fisherman. Really? Still is, dude. My dad is, uh, how is my dad? Right now it's 60. Like free diving spear fisherman? Yeah, like snorkeling. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and not like the, what is it called? The Hawaiian sling? What is it? Yeah, it's a Hawaiian sling. Hawaiian it, sling. It, it's, That's like the rubber band. Yeah. Rubber so, it's, so it's not that. He did like the spear guns. Like, okay. so it's like, I mean, it looks like a musket. Right. You know, and out of the water, those things are heavy, man. <laughs> you can buy one at Ranger Firearms right now for $1,000. They have those. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, man. The rubber bands on those things are like an inch thick. And yeah. Sometimes there's like four of them. So that's what he was into. And they would go like offshore and go to these like wrecks or reefs and they would dive and like you know like hit tuna and amberjack and yeah. like like you know or they'll like take the slings out and they'll like harvest a bunch of lobster and pretty much on the island it was cheaper to probably eat lobster than it was to get ground beef yeah you know ground beef's gotta get coming gotta from the land yeah, yeah yeah so i grew up where like we were constantly harvesting seafood yeah like, Every day, like, fresh seafood every or day, or not us, but like someone was, and we're buying it from right, them on a right. regular basis. Like in San Antonio, people walk around selling like the paletas, the popsicles. Yeah. Down there, it's like some guy yelling shrimp, oysters, you know, right. just coming down your street. Sounds just good. Down so, that, got it that morning. Yeah, and, it was just you know fishing on the rocks with cane poles. That's how I started fishing. That's, that's something awesome. that I really want to learn to do, though, is the spear Team fishing. Point? No, yeah, <laughs> I, I can tinkara. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to learn to like do the free diving spear fishing thing. Yeah. I've tried it a couple of times, but I wouldn't say that I know how to do it or anything. Yeah, you really liked it when you did it, didn't you? Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a lot of fun yeah. being down there. It's kind of a mix between hunting and fishing, for sure, and. There's just something about it. I'd I, like to learn how to do it, but yeah. I think for invasive think hard species, to get into. yeah, you're allowed. Like a you lot can of go, people love to do it for the line fish and stuff. Yeah, or even uh, uh, tilapia. Yeah, you could oh, probably yeah. go to some lakes and harvest some tilapias yeah. on a. It takes a lot of skill because you have to learn how to regulate and hold your breath. Like you yeah. got to purposefully mm. slow down your heart rate. Yeah. and stuff. And I don't understand how to do that yet. Yeah, or at all. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, it was, uh, you know, we would go out there and, and just in, I mean, you know, they're, and they're taking like some pretty long shots, you know, I mean, those yeah. things, uh, carry some, some speed, man, some distance. And, uh, and it's crazy. I mean, you're hooking some big fish. So then you're also like fighting that fish afterwards, you know, and then out there in reefs, you got like little, like 
you know, black tip sharks and stuff like that. So you kind of have to like get them in and like poke the sharks out of the way <laughs> and stuff, you know, like, yeah. I mean, they're not going to mess with you. They're just trying to like eat that fish. So, I mean, you just try to get it in, like get it out, get away from you. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, I just grew up on the water and, and, uh, you know, grew up running around barefoot and things like that. And, you know, just climbing mango trees and had pet monkeys and stuff like yeah. that. Sweet. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. We had a pet monkey. It was awesome. A little, we had a pet iguana to a big one yeah. too. What kind of monkey? It's a, so they're, uh, I looked them up. So in English, they're uh, marmoset monkeys. Okay. So they're really small. It's almost like a squirrel. Okay. You know, you see them at the zoo. There's like a, a golden tamarind that's real, like, well-known. That's, like, more endangered. This is, like, just a regular marmoset. So they're, like, little monkeys. In the city, you see them running around the power lines and stuff like that. My mom had a capuchin when they were kids. Oh, that's, like, a monkey monkey yeah, right there. Yeah. That's, like, Ace Ventura. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. You, you used to could own them here in the States. I don't know if you can anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was the 70s, so who knows what. Actually, there's, there's that guy in Houston things. that had that tiger recently. Oh, yeah. There's a guy in Lubbock. You pay him a couple bucks. I'll take you to the back room and show you all the monkeys. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just like the chip copper <laughs> all like over again. Guys, I can see some strange animals for a couple of bucks. Okay? <laughs> I, I dug into that whole Texas snow monkey thing. Uh-huh. I've heard Wait, about this. I'm not too. sure if y'all dug into that. I've never even. I thought it. it was this gimmicky thing. And uh, I think I saw it on like a Sendero shirt or something. And. Uh, and I'm like, oh, that's catchy, you know, that's funny. And then, and then, like, I think with their description on their website's like, it's real. And I'm all like, well, that's kind of a bold claim, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I looked it up, and sure enough, like out there, I think it's near Lubbock. Uh-huh. There's there was like some dude that like was a world traveler, and he brought like 30 of these monkeys back. Uh-huh. And it's like legitimate those like snow monkeys with a red face and stuff, and um, they've gotten loose. And they're breeding just fine, and there's like hundreds of them running around, like I'm in this ranch. They like it because there's no hot springs for them. Yeah, it's just yeah. hot. I don't know. It's yeah, hot. just hot. <laughs> they're just sitting like. <laughs> hey, a, you know what? They can find some hot pools of water. Yeah, it's probably like a cattle trough. They just sit. Yeah, in. I don't know. Lubbock doesn't have the best drainage, so there's there's sitting water all the yeah, time. Yeah, but so. yeah, look it up. So there's like these snow monkeys. I did not there. know that. So I wonder if it's the same guy. <laughs> it's a real thing. <laughs> owns a shop in Lubbock. It might yeah, be. What's well, like the what is it the. Um, Oh my God! What's that drug lord that in Colombia that had the hippos? Uh, not Chapo. Not but, Chapo. Uh, you're uh, talking about. Um, man, uh, I watched way too many of those narcos. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now, now they all just run together. Um, man, eighties kingpin, drug kingpin, Colombia. Is it the one that blows made named after? Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, I can't remember. Man, that. this is bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh. we look. Very unprofessional right now. <laughs> I'm trying to think, but he had those hippos. Jeez, man, what is the name of that guy? But now that there's a natural population of hippos there. Yeah, and they're like causing major problems, like just because like it's hippos, <laughs> like, and you know they kill so many people in Africa. They're like very right. dangerous animals, yeah, yeah. you know. And um, Pablo Escobar. That's there it. You yeah, go. there we go. <laughs> I was about to have to pull out Google God, for it, man. too. We were real bad. That was really God. bad, yeah. There's somebody in the car right now going, Pablo. Yeah. Pablo. Landon's going to be yelling at the... At the <laughs> These idiots. <Yeah. laughs> they claim to be fly fishing and hunters, and they don't even know Pablo Escobar. But, yeah, there's wild rhinos running around. I mean, there's some weird things in Texas, man. Like, yeah. We went to uh, the Devil's River and saw some all dads out there. Just like oh yeah, wild. You know, it's like it's crazy, man. I mean, those are all dads. I'm like no guy that are south. Yeah, you know? yeah. At this point, you could tell me that there's some weird exotic species in Texas, and I'm gonna be like, you know, 
Probably. Yeah. Someone somewhere here owns at least one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much. The San Marcos River has been known to have some weird fish just because of the college students dumping fish. We were talking about it last week. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Apparently there are, I don't know how true it is, but apparently there's piranhas in Texas too. Like someone's brought back piranhas and dumped them in a river or something. So on the San Marcos, I've, I've, you know, I, I, I got to find proof, but... Maybe not piranhas, but they look a lot like them. The, uh-huh. the paku paku fish, so they're bigger. It, that uh-huh. might be what. And it they're is. like they're they get pretty good size, uh-huh. um, but they're more uh, they actually like eat berries and stuff like that. And apparently, those have been caught on the San Marcos River. Really? Yeah, paku. And then uh, you know, there's like I've seen koi out there, like randomly just floating. You just see this like white thing, you know, and you get really excited because you think it's some kind of like native species that was like an albino right right you know? <laughs> Some kind of, yeah. so you get really excited that you think it's like an albino you know like whatever and then uh it's like oh it's a koi and it's like yeah but i've seen them a lot i've seen a lot of koi yeah. out there and probably a bunch of goldfish yeah 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 and so many of those like those placotomas or whatever they're oh yeah that's the san antonio river has got oh yeah man I, I so I, I i live walking distance to the san antonio river oh yeah yeah so so get this and then we'll go back to that According to Texas Parks and Wildlife Department officials, an actual piranha is a very rare occurrence in the wild, only two documented specimens in 30 years, and possessing a releasing, possessing and releasing live piranha and dozen, dozens of other exotic harmful, potential harmful fish species is prohibited in Texas. So, they're out there. They're, they're out there, it says... Very rare, which means there are some. Yeah, that's crazy. Two caught in thirty years. Man, I go fishing in Chaco sometimes. Might wanna come back with no pinky toe. Really? Yeah. Gotta switch to the Keens, man, with the little toe cup. Oh, exactly. Or you can just go back to those uh, toe shoes. You oh, remember the, the toe shoes? Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I can never get into those, man. Neither could I. I tried them on one time, and it was just. I just whenever if I was eating somewhere and I saw someone's toes wiggle. <laughs> It you off a little bit. I was like, this is no longer formal. Yeah. And people would buy like the black ones to wear with like suits and stuff too. And it's oh, like, no. what's wrong with you? I had a, uh, so a buddy of mine was really into like barefoot running. And I remember like recently and I just laughed so hard and I called him about it. And uh, it was like these, um, these, these runners, like I'm going to be completely wrong here, but I want to say it's like an Andes mountain that they do this crazy run. Uh-huh. That's what they're known for. Like being runners. Um, and I could be completely wrong the location but they're really famous for being like barefoot runners right well then they show these you know these like indigenous people they show these videos of these like people running the new york marathon barefoot and they were like what are why they're like we just don't have shoes like if we had (laughs) shoes not that we're choosing this. yeah we just grew up without shoes so we got used to it like if we had shoes we'd wear shoes like like you know, so it's like I, I always think like these people just you know I don't know they just try too hard. And they try to sell it like oh, but it's better for you. It's more natural and stuff. It's like maybe. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know. No one in the Olympics is running barefoot. That's true. So yeah, maybe they should make that an event: barefoot running. In no, the I'd Olympics. watch it, but like over like lava, coals, yeah. and broken glass, rusty nails, Legos, Legos. Yeah, exactly. Just go. What's the? Is it the, you know the Greeks who had to do it naked? Yeah, That's the what original they Olympics yeah. were naked, right? And honestly, I think that evens out the playing field. I don't know. I and mean, probably like raise the ratings quite yeah. a bit. 
Oh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, if you're, you know, from a top-tier country and you can afford, like, some crazy speed suit, you know, and then you're, like, <laughs> coming from this country and you barely made it and you have to literally, like, work three jobs to even get there. Yeah. And then, like, you don't have the equipment. Now, all of a sudden, like, I mean, because, I mean, like, broker, like, records being broken, right? Yeah. Are these people really faster? Has the equipment gotten better? You know, because, right. like. It's like cool runnings. Yeah. Yeah, they exactly. got the hand-me-down crappy sled that they had to rebuild there, and then the Swiss team had that nice, shiny, perfectly done s- sled. Yeah, but did they win because of their heart? Yes, they, a, they did. They had a great coach. Yeah, they did. They had a great coach. <laughs> One for the rhythm, two for the rhyme. <laughs> yeah. What was the rest of it? Three, get ready, it's bobsled time. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, that's good. I just remember yeah. the egg, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, the egg. Oh man! Okay, so we uh, we ask people when they come on our podcast, uh, what is what got you into fly fishing specifically, and then uh, what's your most memorable fish? Ooh, man, I, I get asked that second question quite a bit. Oh yeah, and like okay. I, st- I still constantly like don't have. But I, let me go back to the first one. Um, so I grew up fishing, like 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 I talked about, mm-hmm. but uh, like fly fishing is not a thing in Brazil. You know, and then even anything that you see fly fishing Brazil-wise is obviously, like, catered towards, like, American tourists, American tourists and things right. like that coming to the Amazon. So, like, fly fishing in Brazil is not a thing. Um, and I and I hopefully you get, like, some crazy person that will call from Brazil or leave you a review that's like, here's our club. And, you know, I would love to learn more about fly fishing opportunities in Brazil. Uh-huh. But it just really isn't a thing. I think a lot of it has to do with, like, cost and everything else. But it's just not part of the culture, obviously. Well, and, no, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, so I, I never knew about fly fishing, but grew up fishing. Also, I, you know, sport fishing was not really a thing either mm. in Brazil. Like, you you fish to, to like, eat. eat fish. Yeah, it. yeah. Right, like, which is what I was going to bring up is yeah. Brazil is still technically a brick economy, yeah. which means Brazil, India... It, it, anyway, it's an emerging like second world for classification. Yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of the thing with Brazil is that we have like really high tariffs on like things coming from other places. So like, you go to a store and a pair of Ray Ban glasses is like a thousand dollars. Oh well. Um, and then like the these other like Brazilian brands are like cheaper or whatever. But there's like the quality's not there, and also like there's a reason someone wants Ray Bans. You know, like people in 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 Japan are also wanting to buy Ray Bans. Right. You know, so it's not like a you know, so it's whatever, but, um, and so there's these really high tariffs. And so there's really not companies doing that in Brazil. So even if someone wanted to get into fly fishing in Brazil, it's not like you can the go equipment's on, not you can't there. go on Amazon and just order stuff. Like to right. me, like that always you, blows, blows my mind. Cause I talked to my cousins about it. And like, if I need something like before there was more stores available, like I can just still order whatever I needed for fly fishing or whatever here in Texas without a problem online. Yeah, and it's in a couple of days. In Brazil, you can't do that. So, like, and I think that probably what's keeping a lot of other places to Because I feel like it would it. be a rich environment for it, but I do think, like, a lot of people, it is more subsistence. Yeah, like for sure. You're, you're fishing to eat, not yeah. for kicks and giggles. Yeah. yeah, and fly fishing is definitely about the experience Yeah, over... I mean, like, don't get me wrong, you keep a fish every now and then, but that's not like the... Most people who fly fish, that's not the main goal. Yeah. Right. I mean, look at all the clubs that surround it. You sign things saying you won't keep fish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. And uh, and I can go into that and how I feel about all that anyways. But, uh, um, you know, so, you know, we just, we grew up fishing and, but 
that was really about it. Like we just lived like near the beach, so we we're really into fishing. Never like in a camping or anything. Like never, I, I never gone camping in Brazil. Um, then like moving to the United States, I moved here when I was nine. Um, did your dad's job on the oil rig move him? No, he retired. Here? My dad retired at like forty two. So my dad retired um, at forty two, and that year, like that very following year, my mom was like, "Hey, let's move to the United States." The kids can go to school there for a year, mm -hmm. and we'll see what we think of it. I had an aunt that lived here in San Antonio already. So that's what brought you guys specifically to San Antonio. To San Antonio. Yeah, okay. I had one aunt that was a that you know she still is a uh, a flight attendant and um, lived here in San Antonio. And so it wasn't like you're moving to America. Y'all were going to move to San Antonio, or to, yeah, we had to, like all. yeah, we came here. We had someone here um, that kind of like. At least we had some kind of connection right. to, to San Antonio, which is wild because I always think about that, like relocating to a whole other country. I mean, if if my aunt was stationed anywhere else, like right for the last like ten plus years, she's been in like Buffalo, New York. So like, if she was in Buffalo, New York, I might have grown up in New York. Yeah, you know, Gross. like right, <laughs> <Just> yeah, <kidding. laughs> you know, and, so, and like, who knows, you know, right, so, totally who knows what you'd be into. Yeah, yeah. I, we could have moved to somewhere that wouldn't have worked out for us. I right. mean, the cost of living in Florida or New York or California, maybe we would have like here, yeah. moved back to Brazil. Um, so it's just kind of like weird how things happen. So yeah, we ended up in San Antonio, and uh, um, I played sports, and you know, I, I, I like being active, and you know, I I was doing. I joined Boy Scouts, like, by myself. I literally, like, riding my bike, saw, like, a Boy Scout troop, and I was like, that looks interesting. They're, like, tying sticks and yeah. building things. Like, that looks fun, you know? Uh -huh. um, and I so, like their khakis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uniform has always been – it's funny. Because, like, uh, I went to, like, a like a national – like, I, got, I, I was in, like, Boy Scouts from, like, 13 all the way to 18. Then I was, like, a junior scout leader. Like, I was, like, really involved in Boy Scouts. I got really into it. Um, had a lot of opportunities through it, went to like the Philmont Scout Ranch, which is in like northern New Mexico on the border of Colorado. Is that the one where the cryptozoology animal that we covered? Which one? The one uh, Ian had been there. Where was it at? In, in it was New Mexico, Arizona area. It was Arizona, yeah. I was it was, it was, it was a Boy Scout Ranch? Yeah, it was a Boy, Boy Scout, Scout Ranch. And there is a specific... I forget what it was. One of the cryptid or the creatures that was like originator there. Hmm. I'm not sure if that's Philmont. So maybe Arizona. Yeah. Um, yeah. Philmont was just like in the mountains, man. And so that's kind of like my exposure to it. Cause I obviously like, you know, I grew up in Brazil on the beach. So like mountains just seem like so, you know, foreign to me yeah. completely. Like the idea of like pine forests and snow and like cold water. <laughs> um, but I loved it, man. Like I, I was so drawn to it. Um, I think I went to Philmont the first time at 13 or 14 years old. And I was like, man, I love the mountains. Uh -huh. And I grew up on the beach, you know, and like people, some people that's, that's it, you know, like that's their paradise. But for me, I was like, I love the mountains. Yeah. Like this is my jam. So I went back to Philmont, I think three years, um, went to big bend a lot. And then, um, I started doing a lot of like rock climbing and, and, you know, just going on like backpacking and camping trips so we can get to places to go rock climbing. And then I ended up ha hurting my back. I had like, you know, just, you know, injuries from like wearing out my back. I had like two yeah. herniated discs, had surgery. So I was like, hey, I probably shouldn't rock climb anymore. Yeah. I still can hike, but it was like one of those things where like 
I'm not a treadmill type person. I need, I need a purpose to go somewhere so far. You're not going to hike, just a hike. Like you're hiking yeah. to climb. Yeah, exactly. So you need some. You need another destination. Yeah, I need hiking. to go there for a reason. Yeah, for and sure. so I feel the same way. Yeah, dude. I, I people, like. I, I don't understand. People are like, oh, I like to hike. Yeah. And then do what? No, just hike. Yeah, no, yeah, I need to be fishing or going yeah. to hunt or something like that. I, I used to be that way. I used to love just hiking until I started fishing, and then it's like, if I'm not fly fishing while I'm hiking, it's yeah. just like I don't want to hike. Yeah, plus I can like push myself knowing like there's a there's a reward. Yeah, yeah. there's a lake or something. Always a better story that way too. Oh, for sure. Oh, I mean, I got some good, good hiking and fishing yeah, stories. Good, uh, yeah, like trying to get to this. We saw this lake on the map. Let's see what's up. And like, <laughs> We've yeah. done that a couple of times. Oh, no, 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 it's just another mile, I promise. Oh, man, it's been bad. Or like I'm so bad, and hopefully if my, if my buddy Kai is listening to this, I'm going to apologize to him because I'm really bad. Once again, I'm a social studies teacher, throwing myself <laughs> under the bus here. But I'm really bad because I didn't grow up in a place that's mountainous. So the idea of elevation changed to me uh-huh. on a map. I'm just seeing straight lines. <laughs> I'm, just I'm seeing, not reading the topo. I'm just yeah. seeing point A to point B. So you like from here to here, guys. That's yeah. That's the mile I was like, hey, as the bird so I've flies. done. Okay, I'm going to backtrack to what I was talking about because yeah, this yeah. is really good. Yeah. So in in southern Colorado, there's this you know lake that would remain uh, unmentioned that I met an old man like a, the summer prior, and we were just catching me and my buddy Kai were just catching a ton of fish in southern Colorado. Um, you know, just we got like a salmon fly hatched and we got a, a green drake hatched the next day. Just big foam flies, yeah. big brown trout. beautiful. And um, we're just catching fish. These two older gentlemen were watching and we're like, hey, man, slide in, dude. There's, there's, they're just rising, dude. Like, come on in. They caught a ton of fish. So they were like super stoked that we were like cool with them and they're locals. So it was awesome. And I, I was like, hey, hate to do this, but like, You've been here. If there is one, like, alpine lake that you know got some big, like, cutthroats up there. Uh-huh. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what. Since I've gotten too old to make the walk, let me show you. You got a map? And he pointed out, and I circled it. And it took me, like, a whole nother. Actually, the following year, me and Kai didn't go to Colorado together. So the following year, so two years later, we're like, uh-huh. we got to go to that lake. Yeah. And if I say it by accident, you're going to have to bleep it out. But, um... <laughs> So in the topo map, I saw like, okay, here's this trailhead for it. And it's like this like three-mile hike or something like uh-huh. that. And it's right on the Continental Divide. And, um, but I saw like there's like this four-wheel drive trail. And I'm all about like, cool, dude, my truck can make it. So there's this four-wheel drive trail that gets to the back of it. And then at that point, I was like, dude, that's like, that's like a mile and a half, man. Let's like, you know, <laughs> let's do that, you yeah. know. So that drive itself... The trail just got smaller and smaller. After a while, if we saw anyone, it was like in those side-by-side ATVs. Mm. Like, no one's driving a vehicle down it. Right. And it was like the only time in the entire trip. Well, not with that attitude. Well, we still, <laughs> I mean, we went. <laughs> I mean, but like, I'm, I got a, I older, I got a first-gen Tundra, you know, it's full size. I'm just, you know, I'm just pinstriping the crap out of <laughs> yeah, it. And I'm just yeah. like, whatever. You know, it was the only time in the trip where he had to get out and like scout, uh-huh. you know, and like, you know, get me down a couple of like drops and stuff like that. So that was bad enough. And then we get to where I was like, all right, this is it. And we just look up and he's like, where is it? I'm like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the top of that. And then, you know, at first we're like, we're just going to follow this creek up. And mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it wasn't bad. It was pretty steep, but it was like we're just following this creek bed. Right. The creek bed dries out and it just vegetates. <sighs> and then at that point we start seeing like bear scat 
Yeah. Uh, we saw a bull moose. We snuck up on a bull moose. So bull moose, a bull elk. Uh-huh. So the idea that like it was that thick that like we snuck up on a bull elk, like that's an idea of like there could have been a bear. Like right, you, know, you wouldn't, you would never know. Yeah. So we're like, oh my god, this is just bad. So we spent like four. We spent five hours bushwhacking, basically. Wait, so you guys actually just like we're we, gonna do we, it. we got about like. They've already dedicated this much. We were, time yeah, we were we were probably like an hour and a half in, two hours. Like we're like an hour and a half in, two hours, and that was the halfway point where it started getting thicker. Uh-huh. And we're like, dude, we're really halfway. Not right. under, not thinking that the next half was like way worse. Thinking like, oh, we can't be that much further. Yeah, and it's kept like you like go over a little hump, and you think that's the, and then like you see it keep going. Yeah. <laughs> the worst part is we get to the top. The first thing we see is a family with like a mom. And then, like, three little kids that took the regular trail. And, they're just like, <laughs> and, and then, they're just like, la-di-da-di-da. <laughs> and, I was, and, and, like, and, I, and I was like, this is going to hurt. But I was like, hey, how, how long did it take y'all to get to here from, like, the trailhead? And they're like, well, we stopped. Um, so just a little over two hours. But, I mean, we could have easily done it, like, in an hour and a half, maybe even less. And I'm like. <laughs> five hours in dude five hours of bushwhacking five hours yeah oh, and then man. um we get there and we're like dude we got to go back the regular way and find a ride or yeah. something so luckily uh trip horn shout out to trip horn this dude from arizona if he listens to your podcast at any time and hears his name because he saved our butt uh-huh um unfortunately he's like we got to get going so we have to kind of we only got to fish for like 45 minutes an hour my Kai landed like a 20 inch like cutthroat out of that. Oh, lane. nice. So, okay. Like, so totally worked out. Made it worth it. And yeah. you know now. Yeah. He's the trailhead. Yeah. So <laughs> now we know where it's at. But that dude gave us a ride. The trail started getting real sketchy. He had like a RAV4. Uh-huh. So he's like, this is as far as I can go. And I was like, yeah, dude, if you're, you know, if your truck, your car flips over because you're like trying to help us. I'm like, like, yeah. <laughs> so he went back and we start walking. And then like, God send here we see this like, dust storm coming and it was one of those side by sides uh-huh. and by the way if you've never ridden with like a one of those really nice polaris side by side things like they're oh, they're phenomenal. a lot of fun they're dude. nice they're, yeah. great. they're great they're so cool they got like 12 inches of travel like i mean you know like it was like we hopped on and it was already a family of like a dad and a mom and the two kids and the kids like sat on the mom's lap and uh-huh. then like we all just piled in and that thing was still fast yeah I was like the Polaris Razors. Yeah. yeah, it was super. It was like a four. It was four door one. It was a big one. Yeah, and they got his back over there. So yeah, I'm. You know, Kai, he's a trooper. You know, we, but we made it out. He caught a fish. You know, so. But yeah, reading topo maps, man. I, I'm not used to mountainous regions. <laughs> so that man. brings me to another point. I think that if your truck has South Texas pinstripes, as I like to call them, or uh-huh. you know, striping from using it on a trail, right. It should be worth more because it automatically shows that it has done something and that it can do something. Oh, yeah, it's true. It's reliable. And plus, people pay money to get fake mud splatter on the side of their truck. Do they? Yeah. yeah. I guess the thing. You can buy stickers that Or look they like just kind of like run off the road a little bit on their way home <laughs> at the yeah. gas station. Just get a little mud on their Jeep. So you got, oh, you got, to bring you got up a South Jeep, Texas. Man. Huh? Why oh, you got to bring up a Jeep? I, I own it. I had Because they do the right. same thing. <laughs> Actually, uh, I had a, had a Cherokee. Uh-huh. You know, I feel like that was like a whole nother breed, you know? Yeah. XJ all the way, man. I, you know. Yeah. I had, I like, I had a I like cool Cherokee. Like, As uh, someone who has, I've had a Wrangler, uh-huh. but I grew up around Cherokees. Uh-huh. They're both great vehicles in their own right. Yeah. For true off-roading, though, I'm going Cherokee. 
Yeah, yeah, I would say off-roading a Cherokee is probably a little better. But if you're rock crawling, the Wrangler's cool Wrangler's because you can. Well, the Cherokee for me, I, I like the 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 you know. So this is kind of funny because it's like the the ultimate like hipster thing. I was like overlanding before I knew overlanding was uh-huh. like because the, the I could sleep in the back of the Cherokee. Oh yeah, yeah. So we were like taking it out, and I was, and people were like, "Why well, you got a tent? Like I can sleep in my truck, you know? And, yeah. Like I just drive it up to the river." And well, that's that's like about that. the four door. Now you can pop yeah, the back seat, cool. and you can lay in the like we can sleep in the back. Yeah, now. yeah, it's no big deal. That's probably the smartest thing that Jeep. That's just agreed wise that made a four door four man. door Those Wrangler have sold, dude. Like crazy, I love man. it. I love it so Let's much. Let's all just agree that if it has a Jeep badge and it doesn't say Wrangler or Cherokee on it, it's not really a Jeep. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't so know. The, the Renegade seems pretty cool and interesting. I'm a, I've always but, been a full size Jeep dude. I've always been a big fan of like the Wagoneers. With like, oh, oh yeah, the Wagoneer. Yeah, I forgot like, about yeah. that. Or the old, uh, what was it called? The Their Gladiator. Truck. No, the old truck. The the um, there's like the J10 that was like the, it was like the Wagoneer truck. Yep. And then there's like the Gladiator. The, the, new old, the, the, old, the, the old one was old also one. called the Gladiator. Was yeah. it? Yeah. And they had a Comanche for like a while a, too, I think. We're talking about the Scrambler. Scrambler. Like the Scrambler, Scrambler that was like the, the Ronald cab. Reagan. Like Ronald Reagan had one, like yeah. a blue one. And yeah, yeah, those were. The Wagoneer is also a very badass vehicle oh yeah but have you seen the price on now when like i saw one driving uh on 1604 the other day full wood paneling on the side and everything they were like 30k for those the dude at least yeah Yeah. there's this place up in kerrville wagon master he takes them yeah have you been there dude so we sold cars that's when when we moved here from the united states my dad uh like delivered pizza at first Uh and then eventually he opened a little car lot and he sold cars and so we like i was always like at the auction with him looking for the weird stuff Uh uh-huh and and i and like you know i was like business minded i was right. like hey this is a good deal and i was like and a weird like ev- like everything under the sun like i knew people were in, really into like wagoneers i knew people really into land cruisers right. so we always look for those things i knew like kids like drifting that one and 240 xx6 you know right. like so i would look for those like just weird things so like i would always be like hunting for those and uh we we bought a couple wagoneers at the auction for pretty good prices um, and anytime we had one that was like a little cleaner, those wagon master guys would call and they would offer whatever. Right. Cause I think what they do, and there's a company that does this with like other vehicles too. It's a small market. There's not a lot of clean ones. Right. So if you buy them all up, then you become the only option for a really clean one. Right. So now it's like you own this little monopoly of like little clean ones. You can charge whatever you want. Yeah. And the people who want them just kind of like the land cruisers. Yeah. We'll pay whatever. They'll pay them. Well, a lot of them like wagon master is selling those things to people in like Dubai. Yeah. But they're like 70 grand. Like, last oh, yeah, there, yeah. They're like 60, 70 grand. Yeah. And I'm like, that's like some dude for a used some vehicle that's 30 years old. Yeah. Older than that. Now they're yeah. like 50 years yeah. old. But, but they, like some dude in Japan that's like yeah. into Americana, like right. wants one, he'll pay whatever. But they detail them and they get them full running condition. They, like, they restore. They do a good Yeah, I'd have, no, beautiful. I'd have no problem using it as a daily driver. You know what I want to see come back? What? El Caminos. Yeah, I had a I had a I had a '64 El Camino. I Did think El Camino. Um, so were be, a yeah, great I, when my girlfriend vehicle. met me at a '64 El Camino, and I had a Harley. I no longer have a '64 El Camino and Harley, Did but you I also I, have I, a mullet. I, I love my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> no mullet, yeah. But I, yeah, I had a '64 El Camino, and it was like it was a motorcycle hauler. So I, it was like you put your har- you'd, so I, would, you'd I would put the Harley in there up. if I needed to go somewhere. I had an old like uh, like a '65 uh, like. Uh, um, Iron head, like, uh, like Puko frame, like, uh, old school seventies chopper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like loaded up in El Camino and like 
go to little shows and stuff. Yeah. So cool. now Honey Hole is now a car talk radio yeah. show. Yeah, it could be. Man, yeah. I could talk about cars <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Let's get back to fishing and hunting. <laughs> yeah. Land's going to be like, guys, come on. <laughs> uh, okay, so most memorable fish then. Most memorable if fish. If you can, yeah. Yeah, so, um, man, um, this last trip to Pyramid Lake, I, I would say that's probably one of the most memorable trips mm-hmm. just you can, be you can finish that up if yeah, you yeah yeah for sure yeah so yeah this it's good bourbon this episode is brought to you by cox contour tv sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch but cox contour tv helps make that decision easier enjoy live tv on-demand programs dvr recordings and music all in one place and only with the sound of your voice with the contour voice remote Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. From now through June on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head to head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through the pain is the name of the game. With so much edge of your seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your jersey. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs now on TNT and TBS. The Bladens is definitely a good bourbon. Yeah. Um, this last trip to Pyramid Lake was just so cool. And if any, if no one's ever gone, first off, uh, the dudes that like Pyramid Flyco are just really cool dudes. And, you know, for the record, guides do hire other guides. Like, it just makes sense. Like, the same reason why we'll leave, like, why you should book a trip with us. Like, it's why I go ahead and book trips with guides. I mean, like, there's, you know, the learning curve of being in a new place. And yeah. also the equipment, the boats. I mean, you know, it just makes sense. Um, people ask me that quite a bit too. Like, Oh, do you hire guides? I'm like, yeah, of course, man. Like I don't own a boat. If I go to Cuba, like, right. Every time you go to a new place. Yeah. yeah. Plus like, I want to have a good time and sometimes you don't want to worry about anything. You just want to show up to a shop and know that for the next eight hours, I don't have to do any planning. Yeah. Yeah. I want to learn too. Right. So like, I'm all about it. Like, that's my thing. I want to learn. So like, man, like if we don't like, I've, you know, and I, I've always been like, if I don't, we don't even need to catch fish. Like teach me how to catch fish next time I come, you know? Cause then like. That's an investment to me right, right. there, right? Um, but, yeah, uh, Pyramid Lake, uh, the Pyramid Flight Coast are just really cool dudes. It's just like a big party on the bank. The cool thing is that, like, we had three of us. It was me, Kai, my girlfriend Alyssa, and we got to fish, like, next to each other and, like, watch each other catch fish. And it's almost like gambling, which is kind of funny because it's right next to Reno. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, almost like playing slots, the fishing is not very difficult, uh-huh. you know, like once you kind of get the hang of casting a two-handed rod um, and, you know, setting the hook on those big fish and fighting them and things like that. After a while, everyone's kind of synchronized casting out there, your indicator fishing. So literally like you're watching indicator, but you're also paying attention to your friend's indicator. And then like you see theirs go down and it's almost like putting, push, pulling a slot machine and like your buddy's winning money. Like yeah. you get, you get excited. You get excited you know? for everybody. Yeah. Like yeah. the, the squad's winning, you know, like it's like we're having a good time, you know? Yeah. So it's like, that's what it was. It was constant like action where like, um, we we're out there for like five days straight, man. So we saw a little bit of everything. 
but it was just a really memorable fish and it was crazy that like you get spoiled because a 20 inch trout is now small and it's oh, and yeah. you're and you're literally like unhooking it like in the net and just kind of letting it go and like Right, these like showstopper fish before. Yeah, you're just like okay. Yeah, twenty inch trout anywhere else. <laughs> twenty inch trout anywhere else. You're excited, you know. But yeah. a twenty inch Lahotan is like kind of just scratching the surface, yeah. you know. And then just seeing like, you know, like multiple ten pound plus fish being caught. You know, my girlfriend, like I said, you know, she started fishing with me and learned learned quite a bit. But the fact that like she can go out there. And still land 10 plus pound trout. And so, like, it just evens the playing field to where, like, man, if you're taking a trip with, like, a group of people, that's the way to do it, man. Right. Like, it's it's a good time. So, I would say uh, memorable trip, that's that's probably it. Um, memorable fish. Um, you know, I, I try to scratch off the Peco strain of the Rio Grande cutthroat, which is found, like, more in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a lot of, it took some research and wanting to do it without just like asking someone like, Hey, where'd you catch that? You know, like, so I was like, you know, there's the information is out there, you know, and I always tell people like at this point, like nothing's a secret. You can find the information. Um, there's a couple Google searches. Yeah. And there's definitely better ways. And there's some like things you, you know, if you know how to work, like the, the public records for state stuff, you can find a lot of information on, on fishing stuff. Um, but catching the Peco strain of the, you know, real grande cutthroat, I was on a trip like by myself in New Mexico and kind of just like going down dirt roads and, and trying to find, find and, right like, spot. and your, your phone stops working. You're just relying on your map and I already explained how good I am at topographical <laughs> maps there. Um, but just finally finding them and they're small, but they're beautiful. And I've just never seen, I mean, that's probably, one of the, I mean, I've caught some like wild brook trout and like virginian stuff that were pretty gorgeous um but catching like these little like real gun cutthroats and they're just so individually like vibrant and oh, pretty yeah. and like some are really dark and some's got so much orange or like that some of them are like bright gold too yeah and, and that gold orange, on top that's, yeah and um it, you know this little creek i found the water is so clear and there's nobody out there nobody fishes for them where like you get to a spot and like you know, sometimes you, you see a bigger one you want to try to catch, but a lot of times you still like, oh, like they're feeding. And I would just sit there yeah. and just like watch them, you know, just feed and just get to see them. And like, that was just really memorable. Um, which is one of those things. It's like in fishing, it's all perspective, like a tiny little fish like that, you know, can be just as exciting, you know, like as a 30 inch trout. Right, right, right. So those two right there, man. Um, I'm going to Belize here in two weeks. I'm trying to go, knock out a big tarpon so yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. uh i'll going? have a i'll have a different answer here in a little bit oh, are man. you going to a lodge no no so i'm going to do the same thing i did before i'm going to go to key cocker which is the the smaller island south of ambridge uh ambers keys ambers k um and so we're gonna go to key cocker and um we were going out there um the guide out the guide i use out there is uh ken um with uh, Chasing Tail, and uh, he's pretty well known in the area. The Tres Pescado, like, fishing tournament they host every year, I think, out of, um, what's the popular lodge in San Pedro? El Pescador. Uh, out of El Pescador, I think. They, they host it out there. Ken's won that. Like, he's been the winning boat, like, several years in a row. Um, I'm actually not going with him. I didn't book early enough. 
I'm going to go with someone else that's not working for him. But um, it's cool because he's like a local. And, uh, you know, this is like putting his daughter like through finishing school and going to college. And yeah. so I think that's really cool. Um, they literally own like a little, little, little house right next to the water. And if you go to Key Cocker, there's a dock there, there's tarp and you can fit and you can feed them just like Robbie's in Florida. Yeah. yeah just, yeah. You just yeah. take your hand and that's actually like where they live. So what's really frustrating is the dock you leave out of, there's like 30 tarpon mm-hmm. and he's like, Oh, those are pets. And <laughs> those are pets. Yeah, yeah. And we just keep moving. That's not real fishing. And then I, you know, you go like a day or two without like getting one shot and you're like, when so we get, I can like, when we get back to the dock, <laughs> let me catch the pet. <laughs> let me catch the pet. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to go in about two weeks. So I'm really excited for that trip. Um, I think what I'm going to do this time around last time we were just like hunting the flats and just waiting on some big tarpon. Um, I don't get to get out there as often as I, as I wish I, I could. So I think this time around, we're going to fish some mangroves, get up early, fish some mangroves, go try to jump some small ones. I would say, so not nothing. Yeah. Huge, yeah. But just to say you landed a tarpon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just go knock it out. Get the, you know, and if we can do that and have a great morning the first day, then after yeah. that, let's cool. Let's go sit in the flats and wait for a big right, one. Right. But let's at least get, but I, I think it's like kind of what we're talking about earlier. I think it's like, cool, let me humble myself. I don't do this all the time. Yeah. Just because I can fly fish other species and I know, you know, some things doesn't mean I know it all, you know? So I think it's one of those things where like, you know, social media and, and, and these these lodges advertising and obviously they're going to make it seem like everyone catches big fish all the time and it's right. easy. Um, but man, kudos to those people that do it all the time because it's, you know, and like, these dudes that are catching them here in Texas, man, like that's figuring things out, man. Like that's a tough, tough game. Yeah. So, uh, it's very impressive. So yeah, we're going to go down there. My girlfriend is talking about doing, you know, she fished a spinning reel. Well, she said she's going to do a (laughs) fish to fly rod a little bit more. I've been telling her she needs to practice a Uh little bit more. So we'll see, maybe get her into some bonefish. You know, that'd be really cool. That's the plan. About two weeks. Bonefish are fun though. Dude, they're, I mean, I like them. I've never been to Belize. Yeah, pound for pound, man. They're impressive. Yeah, they'll they'll rip line. Yeah. They're really. the only fish that I've caught that's put me in my backing. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they, uh, they're they really impressive, especially hooking to a little bit bigger one. They're not too big in Belize. Um, you can catch a lot of them, too, so that's always, like, makes you feel a little bit good. Yeah. Like, if you had a rough day, like, at some point, the guy's <laughs> like, I'm going to go catch some bonefish. And you're like, yes, please, you know. <laughs> yes, please. But, man, you know, if you – find the bigger ones that are like alone cruising they cruise pretty fast and they're they're tough shots man like it's it's a tough shot to make um and typically longer shots too for those guys and uh yeah bonefish are really cool man uh there's some snook down there too so hopefully when we're hitting those mangroves maybe we'll run into a snook yeah i broke a a rod trying to go after some snook while i was down there what happened you get, i got uh, hung up in mangroves it wasn't a cool story oh, yeah, i got sure. hung up in mangroves Not like i didn't break it on the fish yeah, i broke yeah. it on a mangrove yeah mangrove hey, at least you know the fly didn't hit the the rod and pop it i have had that before I, too. i've done that too. yeah <laughs> done that i had a uh my work my last job actually used to ha- have a fishing tournament every year mm. with the field managers and stuff and uh, I went out there, and it's a bass tournament, and I went out there, and I was on a, a little boat and everything, and I was like, the first day, like, while you're trying to figure out the water and everything, I was like, I'm just going to fly fish it. Like, who cares? Right. 
I went out there, and it was right after my Belize trip, and uh, I was doing my false casts, mm-hmm. and on the first, like, cast out, my whole tip just goes, oh. and I look at it, and it's broken off about midway through the tip section uh-huh. of where, like, lead eyes or something had came back and nicked. And knocked it, yeah. yeah. On a brand new, it was a H2 at the time. Oof. Oh, yeah. That hurts. Yeah. Great warranty, though. Yeah. It yeah. Took it back to Landon, and I said, hey, can we get this fixed? And he's like, yeah, I got you, buddy. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, definitely, that's a great piece of advice, man. You know, cry once, you know, buy yeah, stuff. That buy once, cry once, for sure. Warranty <laughs> out, man. Yeah. Um, You know, guiding-wise, I use a lot of TFO rods just for the sake of, like, it's out of Dallas. I can get a rod back in, like, two days. Yeah. They're, you know, they're super fast about yeah, that. Yeah, the same thing, you know, right? You just call them up. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, I just, I don't, I send it with the, it's like whatever it is, thirty bucks, whatever, and yeah. you just put the check in there, return address. I just send it to and them. They send you a whole new section. I mean, I, you know, just to show their how great their warranty is. Um, I my rod vault somehow came open uh, last weekend, or the weekend before, and I'm driving and I my rear mirror, I see my rod like bouncing, and I'm like, oh my god, man! So I'm just like. And it was like coming down 35 where there's construction, so there's no shoulder. Nowhere to stop. And I was like just trying to like, okay, 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 okay. And as soon as I kind of find, I'm able to like exit. And as soon as I slow, I think I had to slow down a little bit. As soon as I try to pick up speed, I just see a slide out. And I pull over. And sure enough, like there's already a car coming and just gets ran over. Oh, man. Uh, you're, you're lucky that it didn't slide out like before on the highway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have not been able to get it back. Yeah, yeah. so actually I was able to at least get it back. So, like, it was broken like two, three pieces. It was ran over, like, at the reel seat. Um, I had a... Was the reel okay? I had a Lampson reel on there that's that's crushed, too. Yeah. Um, the drag still works. So it was, you know, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It's just like... It, and actually, it's one of their, like... Um, I think it's their Speedster, so it's a pretty, like, more fragile design. Um, so it's like a big arbor. And, uh, yeah, it's just crushed. So I sent that out to Lamson. Um, and that's Nidho. Still waiting on that. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> so if Lamson's listening, you know, get my reel back. <laughs> but, um, you know, TFO, I literally sent the rod off Monday evening. They told me, like, hey, it's not going to go out till tomorrow. So it didn't ship out till Tuesday. Thursday, I had a new rod at my house. Oh, yeah. Today? Uh, last last week. week. Oh, okay. And and then I had a trip, so I was able to literally run a trip on Saturday with that rod. Yeah. And so, um, and some of their new rods that I really enjoy, their Axiom is a really cool rod. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, that warranted being in Texas. Now, if I lived in Idaho or whatever, like, that would be probably different. I'll try to go with those right. companies in Colorado. But, man, being able to get a rod back in two days, you know, that's – that's yeah, that's hard. That's, that's nice. Rod. Yeah, I don't think. You, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, it could especially be for me, it's like a commercial use, like to where right. like I need that rod back right away so I can go on this trip. You know, right. I got I got spares, but sometimes I don't send a spare back right away when it gets broken. And yes. I'm like, oh, I need to get a rod back. Yeah. And so they're they're really good about it. So, you know, and then you know I fish. I'm I'm not loyal to like anything. Man. I always tell people like, um, you know, until I get someone's willing to give me a paycheck, you know, like I'll, I'll fish whatever, you know, and, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, there's just certain rods I like for certain things. And, and, you know, but as far as like for what I have to do, and, and like I said, just, a, 
you know, a, a, a good rod and having a great warranty. TFO has been really good. I got some Orvis rods, got some Sage rods, right, you know, got some rods. Um, I fish Colorado pretty much always. My I got a Scott rod that was a gift. Yeah, and uh, that's the like my like trout dry fly rod. What's your go to trout rod? Um, for myself, that's Scott. Yeah, it's a, what weight? It's a five weight, five uh, weight, nine foot. Nine foot. Yeah. Um, it's the Scott Radian, uh, which they stopped making it to make the, the centric now or something like that. The swing weight on that rod is like unbelievable. And I, and I can't gripe on this enough, especially for the heavier weight rods. You know, you got to go cast it. You, you pick up a rod at, the, at a shop and you go like, man, this rod feels light. But the swing weight, which is like how much weight is like, you know, going to be more towards the tip and things like that. You know, certain rods, you, it just feels light. Right. But if you're swinging a lot of weight towards the end, that a, a light feel, a light rod at the hand might actually feel pretty heavy. Right. Um, and that's Scott rod, man. Like it just feels just nice everywhere you so want to be. So light, yeah. so light. But it still has a lot of power. I throw like double woolly bugger rigs. Yeah, and like no problem. Beadhead double woolly bugger rigs. Yeah. You know, like in Colorado and things like that, like prospecting and. And it still casts fine. Yeah, I'll throw a big popper on that thing. Oh yeah, nope, no problem. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely you know five foot nine weight for the Guadalupe. I personally like to fish a ten weight rod if or a ten foot rod if I'm if I'm waiting five foot or uh, sorry five weight. Yeah, I actually have a it's an older rod. It's like a Kelly Gallup rod that he made with Saint Croix. That's called a high sticker, uh-huh. and uh, that he developed. So and, a little heavier in the butt. Yeah, so it's still it's like it's not like a euro rod or anything right, right, like right. that. It's still a straight up like five weight. It still will cast a streamer. It'll still cast a dry fly, but it's ten foot uh, with a very very like light, uh, you know, delicate tip. But unfortunately, it's been collecting dust because I mean I just been fishing out of a boat so much. Right. So you haven't need that the extra reach. I don't need that extra reach. So I yeah. fish you know some usually typical TFA TFO rods at you know five. So five your clients in the quad for trout, you got you normally give them five weights. Yeah, five weight, nine foot rods. Yeah, yeah. Every now time. your your bass trips, you doing six or are you doing eights? Um, for small water, um, San Marcos, Lano, things like that, I'm doing a five weight rod. Okay, still five. Yeah, yeah. still do a five. I actually use the same rod. I, I I really like that MPX line, scientific angling maze, just like a half you know have little heavier line, so it's good for all the indicator fishing, lobbing you know heavy stuff, and then for uh, but bass bass like fishing. It was still, it was, yeah, it'll still throw a good size popper and, yeah. um, you know, or even a little bit like beat, you know, like lead eye stuff. It'll still throw it. Um, and then I'm fishing, you know, a, a typically seven weight when I'm fishing uh, like bigger sections of the Guadalupe or fishing uh, the Colorado River. I'm going to with seven weight. Okay. Yeah. Just because at that point I'm throwing like crawl patterns and things like that. It's like heavy, like stuff. heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm throwing sinking lines, okay. you know, and at that point I'm going like six, seven weight for yeah. that. Doing full sink or? I mess around, man. Actually, there's a, there's like those, uh, uh, what do they call it? Poly leaders? No, no, no. Like it's just like a triple density line. So basically it's like, it's a floating line. Then the next like five feet is like intermediate. Then a sink three right. and a sink yep. six. Uh, Scientific Angler makes one. And I really like that because it gives a real gradual uh taper to that weight so you don't get a belly Mm -hmm. you get more of a straight line connection Mm -hmm. and um so i really like that those lines i've been 
messing around with poly leaders or just making my own little sink tip leaders by cutting mm-hmm. old uh, sink tip lines and then just putting a welded loop on each okay, end. Okay, yeah. So you just make your own out of yeah. old lines. So if you got an old sink line, you can cut, cut you know, it up five foot five foot sections. Get those uh, little loop things um, that you like heat shrink on there. Yeah. You know, and then you can make a five, six foot sink tip a section. Poly leader that yeah. you can just pop on whenever you yeah, need yeah. to. That's a smart idea. Yeah. And yeah. then it works out great and you just loop to loop on both ends and how does it cast? It casts like a sink tip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't that that like hinge there, I, I really don't notice it too yeah, much. Yeah. I mean clients I throw Probably it on. no more than you would on a poly leader no, or not or, or at all. Yeah, yeah. So it works great and it's cheap and so if you're gonna throw that weighted line out anyways for some reason cut out some of the good sections of it that that's weighted and you can like mess around and figure out the density of it and yeah cheap solution right you know saves buying a whole new line yeah i think a lot of like you know a lot of guidance like finding some cheap solutions to things you know they call like the guide flies yeah yeah i'm all about guide flies (laughs) man yeah Yeah, get the job done i used to tie a lot of complicated stuff and then you know i was like man it don't matter you know and if it if it doesn't have to have eyes on there, you no, know. It and catches fish. It catches fish. Also, you know, I think Alvin, like, made this. He's all, like, he doesn't feel bad when clients throw him into the trees, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when I started guiding more, I was like, I totally know what he means now. You spend, like, 30 minutes Yeah, I just, you know, you people know. are like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And it's like, it's okay. <laughs> like, your heart up there. <laughs> yeah, 30 seconds. Don't worry about it. Like, a quick tie, Yeah, you know. Yeah. One material, two materials. Just done. Super, super glue. Catch his feet. Yeah, super, yeah. <laughs> a lot, lot of super glue. This is going to make it that long, so we're good. Yeah, a lot of super glue, man. Oh, man. It's still a fly for you, super glue. So, yeah. did we have other questions? <laughs> we cover? did. I figured at this point we'd save them for next week. <laughs> well, there's a few on there that probably should be saved because I don't understand what they're asking about. Like one says, don't ever quit the conservation topics. We don't plan on it. Nope. Um, another one was what's good water to for bass, for bass on kayak. On kayak. Do you kayak, kayak fish at all? Yeah, I used to. I I saw my Diablo uh, a little while ago, but I used to do a lot of kayak fishing. I would say go fish the water that um has gotten too shallow for most people to float. Go fish those water. If you got a drag here and there, yeah. you still get into some really good good water. Um, so the smaller rivers like Medina. And, you know, going up to the Lano and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, in a kayak, you're not as dictated by water flow. If you got to drag it, you can drag it, you know, and just keep fishing. How's the San Marcos? Does it get pretty skinny? No, man. San Marcos, like, constant flows. Honestly, really? right, with this rain, it's been, I've been. Yeah, right now it's, it's been bad, yeah. But uh, it's just constant flows. Like, it, it always flows the same. It, it pretty much has the same flows coming out of that spring. Um, so it never really gets low. Um, to the point where you can't float it, you know, yeah. year round. So it's a it's a great river for a kayak. And then with a kayak, you can cover longer distance. So the put-ins are usually like pretty far apart. So uh, in a kayak, you can usually cover twice the distance that I would cover in a raft. Yeah, you know. So there's some opportunities there. Um, but yeah, like Medina, Pergua, things like that. That is skinny water. If you can drag a kayak, get right. out there. Get out there and do. Yeah. It. Uh, do you do you uh, kayak fish at all? No, I don't own a kayak. Yeah, I have. We have a kayak, but it's just like I feel like I'm just doing too many things at once. You know. Plus, Kendall's not a huge fan of kayaking, so it's kind of like I'm about I'm I'm about canoes, man. Yeah, really. See, I will. I would. I would do it. Um, I don't have a problem with it, but that's not where 
my passions lie. Mm -hmm. And so there's other areas that I could spend my money more wisely to pursue the things that I want to actually pursue more. I want to sell our fancy inflatable one, just get like one of those cheapo Walmart kayaks. Just And see, that's my other thing is I have friends with rafts and stuff like that. So why go buy it when I could say I buy a UTV or a duck boat that allows us to do other stuff. And my friend has the fishing raft. I mean, just split and Why? share. Yeah, yeah. I, sure. I sold my kayak when my buddy bought a skiff because we were I was we were going out there together and and fishing kayak fishing on the so coast. We need, oh, we yeah. need a friend to buy a skiff. Yeah, yeah, maybe a honey hole skiff. Yeah, I yeah. did a lot of convincing on that one. That was it worked. It worked out really <laughs> well. Like, yeah, yeah. That buddy's moving to Florida now. Uh, so now I I was like, see, <laughs> this worked out, right? Yeah. Now you're gonna go to Florida and you have a skiff already. You're ready like, to go. Set, yeah. Man. yeah. Plus you bought a skiff at like Texas price. Versus Florida price. Florida, Florida price. So you got a deal instead yeah. of waiting until you got there. So he's going to move there this summer. I'm looking forward to that. Another question. There's a comment I don't understand that someone asked, but the next one was hot take on glass fly rods. Do you like them versus not like? I've been playing around with one with them. I think glass is, is interesting. I think they're fun. I love I, a glass I don't. I don't have an opinion one way or the other. It's novelty. Yeah. See, for me, my favorite rod is my five-weight glass. I think. Who, who, who makes that? The Superfine Orvis. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I absolutely love it. It is my favorite rod. However, it is not the rod I fish with the most because you are so limited. Yeah. Like and glass is just normally heavy. That's the downfall The Superfine is for me. regular. Is, is not super, but also like every time I bring it, I never bring it on a raft because it's just not going to do as well. I always bring it if I'm. Uh, waiting a smaller, like a smaller section of the quad, I'll bring it. I'll actually like it if I'm fishing like a smaller pond I yeah. where I don't need the far reach. Yeah. And then, um, like if I'm fishing like in the Smokies, I love it there because like catching small brookies yeah, on yeah. on a glass rod is fun See, every day. I like the way you put it. Is that it's a novelty? Yeah. I think it's a great filler rod. For I would not buy a glass rod as my first rod, and I wouldn't right. ever recommend somebody. Buy I would one say as their first get rod. your main rods in your your carbons and graphites and stuff like that, and then when you want that little extra play, yeah. start looking at the gl- the glass rods. There's definitely two. Um, it's like I don't. I wouldn't suggest someone go and get a four weight. I think you should do like a three five eight weight or even a 10 weight for Texas and then do filler spots in between for those specialty things. Yeah. Yeah. The fiberglass too. I mean, um, for smaller, I love it because you do get more play. Mm -hmm. So I, my three weights of fiberglass, I have a a butter stick Mm -hmm. that I've had for years and I love that rod and I've never had like any need to want to go buy a regular carbon like or whatever three way three way yeah. like this is awesome because yeah it's like little small you're never going to be cast in super I far w- with I, it. actually i want to recant what i said a little bit i think if you got a three-way glass rod uh-huh. you probably don't need the three-way like carbon rod no yeah i think, no, like, yeah, I think that they ba- balance each other out so yeah. much better yeah. and the fact that a three-way rod is normally smaller fish in general Having it in a glass is just going to make those pop even yeah. more. Yeah. One thing too it's is like uh, adding a, if you're ever teaching someone how to cast the glass, is and nice. if you can just show them a glass because it being slower, it forces them to, to really wait. slow down and wait and learn that timing. Yeah. Um, so I think you can really 
teach someone. And, and honestly, and then some people who just have a slower tempo cast may just like a fiberglass rod. Yeah. And I do. Th- I know there's some. Um, I think like Meredith McCore talked about how she, for like her light tippet records that she chases, she will fish a fiberglass rod. That way she can because, feel it. Well, there's because there's just more give and it'll protect that smaller tippet. Oh yeah. Um, but once again, that's getting into some crazy novelty. Like I'm trying. Yeah, to, that stuff that you're doing specifically yeah. is yeah, not just for a, the sake of fishing. Trying to catch a big yeah. red fish on five pound, like that's right. different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you're fishing small water, it's you fine. already have a graphite rod. I'd say go for the fiberglass. Yeah. I love my fiberglass rod. I sing its praises all the time. I yeah. think there are a but lot it, of fun. It would be the first one I would recommend. Well, fishing's supposed to be fun. So yeah. if it's Wait, fun, right. go for it. If it's fun for yeah. you, like I like the the more the bend. Like a three so San Antonio. So like being San Antonio, a three way fiberglass rod on the San Antonio River. Yeah. Catching little bass and little cichlids yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's a perfect rod. Well, that's like all I do is hill country fish like nine out of ten times. You know, hill country, Guadalupe, yeah. upper guad. So it's nothing, fun. Nothing there is huge. It's fun. You know, it's great throw my little five, five weight fiberglass. Yeah. It gets the job done. It's fun every time. And I don't know. Yeah. I would say once you get into the heavier rods, though, don't worry about glass. They get too heavy, in my opinion. Yeah, it's unless you're just like, like you said, you just love the glass. You just want to do it for fun, right? Unless you just want to say, I caught a red on an eight, eight weight fiberglass. Yeah, I yeah, I'm kind of like five and under for a. I just feel like glass and an eight weight and above is just so heavy. Your arm's gonna get tired. Oh yeah, so and and it's also typically they're shorter too, so you don't get the reach out of it. Yeah, they don't do well in the wind, so that's the thing. But like I said, it's just novelty. I mean, you know, I know you guys hunt is like you know the recurve and recurve guys that are just like building their own bows and things like that. It's not an efficiency thing at that point. I mean, yeah. it's because that's what they like to do. So I like to do. Yeah. It's fun. You know, and, uh, you know, if you've ever seen a bamboo rod up close, I've, I've, I've wiggled one. That's uh-huh. about as far as I've gotten. Yeah. I was able to, um, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah. But that, it just, it, they've been, I just seen like, I did this, they just, I would love to. Oh. I would you ever, um, have you ever heard one. of real recovery? Yeah, yeah. So the doctor, the the one who does the wearing trip here, mm-hmm. he built a bamboo rod. And right before COVID hit, at that last uh, retreat we did, I was able to cast it. Yeah. Oh man. So I signed up to help. Yeah. So like right before COVID, I yeah, signed and then up. Everything happened. COVID hit. Oh, so like they got my number. Whenever they get going again, you might be able to cast a, a bamboo. I rod. I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But they were. He reached out to me. He was super stoked. Yeah. Um, they're always like looking to get, you know, people in the industry and things like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you it's know, a great weekend, man. I've done it a couple of times. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, it's probably one of the best weekends of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Plus like leaving teaching, man, I, I got to still do something. To so. be honest, that was kind of one of the reasons that put me in that direction was doing that. And I was like, I love doing this. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. So I think like, um, once I'm guiding full time, I'm going to see myself probably doing a lot of like you know, things probably even with my old school and, and figuring out ways we can get those kids outside. Yeah. Uh, Austin's got this explore program to get kids out and San Antonio um, just doesn't have a lot of that. And it'd be really cool for these kids to uh, yeah, get outside. For sure. I've always wanted to kind of get something like that going. So yeah, let's, if you let, ever need, let's do it, man. Cause honestly, like with the San Antonio river, yeah. we're not talking about taking kids out of their element. Like just no, teach just them, like, them here. They just give them access to the yeah. stuff they need. Yeah. I no fish, man. And then, you know, if you're spending money on fishing gear, you're not spending money on things you don't, you shouldn't. I'm right there with so. you for sure. Teach a man to fish and he'll always be broke. That's right. <laughs> That's words of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, words of wisdom. And on that note, guys, uh, hey, is anybody else, you guys have anything else to, to add for tonight? 
Any I've, closing words of wisdom? I found out an interesting fact. Like, it, uh, Is it the, the diarrhea thing again? No. Okay. What's your new fact? So, in places like Florida where they have both alligators and crocodiles, I found out huh. an easy way to identify them other than just head shape. How? Either you'll see it later or after a while. <laughs> Uh, that's so cheesy, but I like it. <laughs> and on that, those words of wisdom, we'll see you guys next week. We'll see you soon, baboons. <laughs>